Well, let's jump in today. Uh, I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture, at least, Matthew chapter 5 and Luke 14. We've looked at these. We're going to kind of, I'll give you a little quick review here. But we've been talking about being contagious in our Christian walk. And we're going to continue to do that and, and, and keep stirring our hearts towards making a difference in the world. You know, I've learned something. You know, how many of you appreciate the pastor learning something? Here's what I've learned. Did you know, sadly, the statistics are out on church folk? Here's the stats that most people who, in fact, call themselves faithful to church only actually attend about 50% of the time. Everybody goes, shame on us. Now, if you do better than that, uh, you know, God bless you. We all need to do better. Everybody say, we all need to do better. We all need to do better. Now, and, uh, and then when you, if you ask someone who attends about 50% of the time, how often do you attend church? They would, they would say, oh, I'm at least 75, 80%. They kind of, they believe that, but it's not in actuality. So here's the problem in the quandary uh, that pastors have, and that is this. We want to communicate to our church a truth. And here's the truth. We need to be contagious. And if I have four or five or six things that I want to say about being contagious and only 50% of the people are here on any given Sunday and then they all rotate at odd times, how long do you think it's going to take me to get that truth communicated? A long time. And so we're going to hang out here a little while because, listen, we can't get past this. We can't let this get by us. We can't just hold our breath and hope, man, I hope Pastor Sam gets off into, you know, uh, the blessings of the Christian walk and, uh, and how I can be more blessed in the world. We may do some of that, but I want to tell you some of the most blessed people are the most contagious people on planet earth. And so that's what we're talking about. I want to continue to do that. So let's pray together. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us. Father, today we ask you that you would help us be contagious Christians, that we would not just hear with, with our natural ears, but we would hear with our hearts. We open up our hearts to hear what you're saying to the church In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus in in his first really recorded message, he begins with the blessings of the the Christian walk. How many of you appreciate that? Everybody say blessed. That means very happy. He's talking about the Beatitudes and how as believers and as disciples, we ought to be happy regardless of the circumstances. Everybody look at your neighbor and go, happy, happy, happy. We're supposed to be happy. But right after that, he defines not only are we supposed to be happy, he defines who we are and what we have to be in order to be happy. And that is, who are we? We are salt and we are light. Everybody say, we are salt and we are light. What he's saying there, this is who you are. He doesn't say, this is what you're supposed to be. He said, as a disciple, this is who you are. You are salt and you are light. You know what he's saying? You're contagious with your Christian walk. Because these two items, these two illustrations are, are illustrations of impact, especially in Jesus' day. We might not think salt is very important, but I'm telling you, in their day, it, it, was a, it was a preservative, and I don't have time to go into all that. It was vitally necessary for life, as well as light. And so, we are salt and we are light. We are, that's who we are. This is our new identity. We're contagious Christians. Everybody go, hallelujah. We are contagious. That's who we are. And so we need to understand that. And last Sunday we looked in Luke chapter 14 and we realized that contagious Christians spread the gospel by deliberate and intentional contact. Everyone say intentional. It cannot be accidental. Most, most, 
Most of us, when we, God uses us, it's against our better judgment. You know, he just says, hey, I'm going to, whether you realize it or not, I've got something for you to do. And we seem to stumble into something and somebody's life is touched. But what would happen if we began to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and began to live a life of intentionality with who we are as salt and light? And so we looked at Luke chapter 14. It's the parable of the Great Supper. I'll paraphrase it for you. If you remember, Jesus said he invited, uh, it's, uh, it's a parable. He said, and, and a parable, what does it do? It's a little story that tells us spiritual truth. And so he tells the story of, of, of someone who sent out an invitation for people to come and join him at the table. And they all had what? Excuse it. How many of you here last Sunday I sang to you? Did I sing it? All right. Excuses, excuses, you hear them every day. And so they had excuses. And, and the master of the table said, hey, uh, go out into the, and, 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 and bring them in. Everybody say, bring them in. And he said, bring in the, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And he said, we've already done that. And still there is room at the table. How many of you know there's still room at the table? And then he said, well, you go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Everyone say, compel them to come in. Compel them to come in that my house or my table may be full. Could I tell you, look around you, there's room at the table for your friends and family here at Church on the Rock North. And so we've got to become intentional with going into the highways and hedges and compelling them to come in. In fact, we looked at John chapter 4. You don't need to turn there. We looked at Jesus as he, as it said about him, he must needs go through Samaria. I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last Sunday, uh, get online and, and listen to, uh, to last Sunday's message about being contagious and being intentional. And we looked at John chapter 4 and we realized that Jesus was intentional with his commitment. He was committed. He was all in. It says he must needs. That means he was bound and determined to go through Samaria and intentionally make a difference, not only with the little woman at the well, but with the whole city. Amen. And so we learned that he was intentional with how he dealt with her and how he dealt with Samaria. Samaria, everybody say, we got to be bound and determined. And that's who God's looking for. And I pray today something on the inside of you would just be bound and determined to do the will of God and bound and determined to not only pray for your friends and family, but to, as it says in the parable of Luke 14, go out and bring them in. Everybody say, bring them in. Now, Think about, hey, hey, consider this, consider thou this. Everybody say, consider thou this. All right, Josh, uh, stand up. Take your glasses off. Put them down. Turn all around. No, I'm joking. Now, put your hands over your eyes. Okay, you're playing like you're blind, okay? Just so, just say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Okay, he was, he was really, you can tell he's not really blind or he'd be going, Jesus, have mercy on me. So he's blind, okay? What did the parable say? Go out into, into, the, into the highways and, hey, you're still blind, stand up. <laughs> Go out into the highways and, he thought that was a silly illustration. He's going to sit down. It ain't over yet, John. Now, here I am at the table of the Lord. I got a big table. Josh is blind. What do you think it's, if I just said, hey, Josh, I want to invite you up here to the table. We'd love for you to join us, Josh, at the table of the Lord 
on March 15th on Friend Day. Man, love to have you there, oh blind Josh, who can't see to get there. So what am I saying to you? We got to move beyond just an invitation. Because the people we're wanting to influence, many of them can't get there on their own. They're blind, they're maimed. Okay, Josh, you can sit down. I started to try to get you to walk up the stairs with, with your eyes closed, but I didn't want to hurt you. Think about the cripple. I'm not making fun of crippled people, but how cruel would it be for us to have a great table prepared and to send an email or a text or even a nice little invitation to the crippled man and say, we'd love for you to join us at the table. You're welcome to come. We'd love to have you. Now, that's wonderful, that, but that's just the beginning. Are you with me? Jesus said in this parable, you've got to go out and you've got to bring them in. Many of them are not going to come on their own. Why? Because they're blind, they're lame, they're crippled, spiritually infirmed, and they can't get here on their own. They need us to go out and get them. Somebody say amen. So we must be intentional with these people who, who we're praying for. And you say, they can get here. They got a car. They know how. Hey, but spiritually, they're hung up. They need our help. Look at five people. Three, well, I'll just say three. Look at three people and say, they need our help today. They really do. And so contagious Christians spread the gospel by intentional, deliberate contact. And so uh, with that in mind today, here's what, before we can effectively bring in the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, there's three things that I want to lay on you this morning that I think we've got to embrace. And I've kind of hit on them a little over the past few Sundays, but I want to bring them back to you a little bit. Number one, before we can effectively bring in, we must, uh, uh, we must become fully convinced. Everyone say fully convinced. Now, I would encourage you to read John chapter 1. John chapter 1 is a cool beginning to the influence of believers on one another. And Andrew, who was a disciple, really a follower of John the Baptist, uh, he, in the beginning of John, it talks about uh, John the Baptist's disciples heard Jesus, and Andrew heard Jesus, and he heard the words of the Lord. And the Bible says in John chapter 1 that Andrew went and found his brother Peter. And he said, we have found the Messiah. He does not say, I think we may have stumbled onto something. I want you to come and help me out. No, Andrew comes to his brother. There is no, there is no wavering in what he, he knows and understands. He comes to his brother Peter. Peter, uh, and he says, we have found the Messiah. Everyone say that. We have found the Messiah. Not I think we have, I hope we have, we have found him. How many of you know that's fully convinced? And you know what he did? Everybody say, you know what he did? You know what he did as soon as he said to, he didn't say, Peter, we found the Messiah. I hope you find him someday. He took his brother Peter, and it says he brought him to Jesus. He didn't just ask him to come to Jesus. He went and said, 
I'm bringing you to Jesus. Now, we've, if we become fully convinced that what we say is true is true, it'll change the way we deal with people. If you are fully convinced that Jesus Christ died on a cross and paid a great price for the sins of all the world, and you become fully convinced of that, and, and, and if your friends and family do not uh, come through the door of Jesus Christ and what he did for them on the cross, they're going to go to a devil's hell. If you're convinced with that, it'll change the way you deal with humanity. And so before we can bring people in, we've got to become fully convinced to the place where we know, whoo, man, Jesus is the answer for the world today. He's the answer. Everybody say, he's the answer. Jesus said it in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through, come on, he's the answer. In fact, how many of you are old enough to remember Andre Crouch? He just passed away a few days ago. Man, Beverly and I, when we were in youth choir, we sang a lot of Andre Crouch's song. One of the greatest songwriters of our day in the Jesus movement. Uh, and uh, he, just, he just was phenomenal. And uh, he, he entered his final reward just, gosh, last week or so, a couple of weeks ago. And he wrote a song that we used to sing. It's so simple. Some, I don't get things so complicated. I don't know. You know, sometimes I have to figure out what these songwriters are singing about. But catch this. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Can you do that with me? Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. All right. I want just the ladies. Come on, ladies. Jesus is the answer. Come on, ladies. I'm asked you up. Here we go. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Now, ladies, y'all would be lousy choir members. Stand up, ladies. Come on. Come on, ladies. Come on, ladies. Come on, ladies. Beverly, get that mic right there. Come on. Come here. Help me. Come on. Guys, don't get off the hook. You better get the mo melody here. All right, here we go, ladies. The reason it's kind of weak is because it's kind of high. Yeah, okay. Well, if you go down to alto, I'll be going, Jesus, Jesus. All right, you, you pick any key you want, Beverly. Come on, ladies. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Okay, guys, stand up. Jesus is the answer. Beverly, come back. For the world. To come here, Beverly. Above him there's no other. Jesus <laughs> is the way. See what you did to me? Well, you could have picked your own key. great. <laughs> See, I threw this on her. If I asked her this, we'd have had pa panic on the way to church today. Now, take me up one key, Beverly. Just help me, help me out. Ladies. Jesus is the answer. Just the ladies. For the world today, 
Above him there's no other. Jesus is now the, the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is... Everybody, one more time. And Jesus, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Give yourself a hand. You did okay. You may be seated. Thank you, Beverly. Now... People all over the world sang that, and you know what? People became convinced that Jesus is the answer for the world today. I wish I had time. I could preach from the, from the verses of that song, but you know what it says? We've got to be convinced. Everybody say fully convinced. We've got to be convinced that Jesus is the answer for the whole world. Listen, but understand something. He, and and we, we say amen. You know, go on to all the world and make disciples. We know he's the answer for India. We know he's the answer for China. We know he's the answer for Mexico. We know he's the answer for America. But sometimes we forget that he's the answer to our friends and family who do not know Jesus. In fact, listen to this today. 86% of people... In America, who say they're born again, give direct credit to a friend or a family member. 86% of the people who are born again recognize that a friend or a family member led them, brought them to the table. How many of you thank God for those folks? Woo! Now, so catch this. Our friends and family are most reachable through their relationship with us. The greatest chance your friends and family have to come to Christ are through you. 86% of believers say the influence of a friend or a family member brought them to the table, didn't just invite them, but went out and found them and the lame and the crippled and the blind and brought them in to the house of the Lord and let them sit at the table, amen? So we must be fully convinced. How many of you know, without a knowing that Jesus is the answer, why would we be concerned about lost humanity? There's only one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. So we must become fully convinced. Before we can effectively bring in, we must become fully convinced. And number two, if we're going to effectively bring them in, we must become fully compelled. Everyone say compelled. In order to compel someone, what was the last, the last, uh, in Luke chapter 14, he said, go out and compel them. Before you can compel anybody, you must be compelled. Thank you. I got one per, Stacy, she, she, but let's try this again. Before you can compel someone, you must become yourself fully Compelled. There wasn't even a blank there. Compelled. In fact, the Bible says in Second uh, Corinthians five fourteen, for the love of Christ compels us. We've got to be uh, compelled by how much Jesus loves us. He loves us. Our love for Jesus and His love for us. Listen, how many of you know love has some compelling impact in our life? Whoo, man! Uh, you know, I was hanging out with Matt Bell last week. We went walking through the mall. I had some guys. Some great guys were with me. Jason King. He's a missions pastor in Denver, and then Philip Thompson, he preached for us. He's a pastor in Wapaka, Wisconsin, then Matt Bell, the new pastor of Destiny Church. Now, we're walking through one of these cool malls, and we walk into this weird shop, uh, and he picks up a big candle, and I'm thinking, Matt's lost his mind. What are we doing here? And he said, my wife loves these. 
I'm going to buy her one. And I, I said, guys, he's showing us up here. Nobody, well, my wife don't like candles. Hallelujah. We're out of here. <laughs> Love compelled him. Caused him to invest. Caused him to do something that he might not normally do. And listen, when you realize Jesus loves you, listen, that love that you have for him will cause, <clears throat> will compel you. If you're not, hey, if you're not compelled, you might need to get back and fall in love with Jesus all over again. Amen? Where things began to change in your life because of the love of Christ in you. And it will compel you to love others and go out and love other people. Because the Bible says, <clears throat> pardon me, if you say you love God and don't love your, your neighbor or your brother, uh, your, the truth is not really in you. The love of God that, that compels you will compel you to go out. And that's why Luke 14, 23 says, he said, go compel them. You can't compel unless you've been compelled. By the love of Christ in our hearts, amen? And then finally, number three, we not only must be fully compelled, but we must become fully consumed. Everybody say consumed. Everybody say eating up. You know anybody that's just eating up about something? Ooh, he just all eat up. That's bad English, but you understand, right? Some people are all eat up over sports. Not me, a little maybe, but not all of you, because it's consumed. I actually didn't watch a few Mavericks basketball games last week. I thought it was better to go preach than watch the ball game. Aren't you proud of me? <laughs> Some people are consumed by this or that and the other, eating up. Hey, listen, we've got to be consumed by this thing called Jesus, amen? But we've got to be consumed by the reality that we have a responsibility to win our world to Christ. Some people are consumed by their work. Any workaholics in the house? No, they're all out working today. Uh, I understand. Some people are consumed by themselves. I've met a few now. Some of them are my friends. They do this all the time. And they put it on Facebook. They're narcissistic, but they do. Uh, we're self-consumed. All we think about is ourselves. And if we're all thinking, uh, hey, listen, understand something. People are consumed with so many things. But understand this. If we're not consumed by the contagious cause of Christ, we must be consuming all the wrong stuff. If you're not as a believer, come on now. If you're not consumed with the contagious nature of Jesus Christ in your heart, but consumed with other things, with self and, 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 and money and things and stuff, and it just takes all your attention, you and I, if that's the case, have been consuming all the wrong stuff. Because if you began to consume the right stuff, everybody say the right stuff. How many of you know... In, I've been eating a little better. Beverly and I are on the uh, semi-Daniel fast. Uh, we're not just being as hard-nosed, but we, we're doing really good. And we, what we've learned is this. Man, when you start consuming the right stuff, it changes nearly everything about you, including the way you look. Can you tell? I'm sucking in a little bit, but can you tell? Somebody... I put, on one, I put on one shirt this morning, 
And this, between one of these buttons, it kind of went, eep. I said, no, that ain't the one. That ain't, that ain't. Wrong one. Got a few more pounds before I can put that one on. But listen, if we're going to, before we go out and bring them in, something's got to consume us. And that is the contagious nature of Christianity. And so we need to understand, hey, alcohol and drugs, if you start consuming it, what will happen? It will. It certainly will. Money and things. If you start, all you consume is money and things. How many of you know they never satisfy? And then they turn around and start eating you up. My Bible tells me, I love David. David said this in Psalm uh, uh, 69, 9. He said, the zeal of the Lord's house has eaten me up. I love that. What's he been doing? He's been consuming the right things. Because if you start consuming the right things, the right things will start consuming you. If you consume the wrong things, the wrong things will consume you. Listen carefully to me. I just got to stop. I think I'm talking to somebody here right now. I think somebody in this house has been consuming all the wrong things and somehow you think everything's going to turn up roses. Could I tell you today that is not the case? If you consume the things of this world, if you're dieting, if you're feeding on the things of this world, you will not be spiritual. If you consume the things of this world all day long and show up in church, that don't make you a good Christian. Could have get a better amen. It makes you and I, if we do that, a little hypocritical. Am I right or am I wrong? And so, listen, if we're going to make a big difference, and one of the biggest reasons people don't go out and compel them to come is because of the hypocrisy of their own life. You can't go clubbing with them on Friday night and bring them. To, you could, but bring them to church on Sunday and act like everything's peaches and cream. We've got to be fully consumed by what's necessary. And the only way to be consumed with the contagious nature of Christ is to consume the right stuff. Now, let me go back to last week. Remember Jesus and the woman at the well. Remember? I, I say, do you remember? Jesus is wore out. He's, he's wore out. He's sitting by the well. The disciples didn't have anything to draw with. And so they go to town to get groceries. That's what good deacons do. Jesus is sitting by the well. Here comes the woman. You know the story. He says to her, give me a drink. And they have their discussion she begins to realize he's the Lord of glory. Uh, Jesus influences her life. And she goes back to town, leaves her water pot, goes back to town and says, come, show, come let me show you a man who told me all the things I ever did. In the meantime, the disciples come back with groceries. And they said, Jesus, eat. Now, what's he doing? He's in the middle of an evangelistic, contagious moment. And they said, Jesus, eat. And he says, pardon me. My meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Let me just paraphrase. It's not time for Big Macs. It's not time for Subway or Taco Bueno. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. That's 
It's t- listen, I'm consuming something right now that I am consumed with. My meat is to do the will of him who sent me. Listen, let me give you three things quickly. The right stuff. Number one, we've got to start partaking of the will of God in our life. We've got to start consuming the will of God for our life and begin to embrace the will of God for our life. Begin partaking of his will in our life. Jesus did that. Eat, let me, hey, how many of you know just because it doesn't taste good doesn't mean it's not good? How many of you know Brussels sprouts are supposedly good for you? They don't taste good to me. Can I get a witness? All right? But they're good for you. Jesus, when he was at Calvary, just before Calvary, he found himself at the place of weeping and crying. And at the, at, in, in, the, in the garden, he said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He was talking about the will of God. Hey, the will of God is not always peaches and cream. But I'm telling you, the will of God will take you places you could never go to do things you could never do, to see things you've never seen, to accomplish things you would never accomplish. And if you're going to get, hey, if we're going to begin to be contagious, in this world we've got to be consumed with the will of God and the only way to be consumed with the will of God is start consuming the will of God for my life and quit consuming my will and Jesus said nevertheless three times not my will but yours be done he said I didn't come here for Big Macs I came here to do the will of God. I'm feeding on the will of God. Some of you today, I'm preaching to you. I'm talking to you right now. You wake up ever in the morning and you rock, paper, scissors. Listen, God created you for a purpose. He has a plan for your life. He wants you are salt and you are light. I done got huffed up this morning. It's the will of God. We've got to partake of the will of God. Somebody said the will of God. Sometimes it doesn't taste good, but it's sure good for you. Then sometimes it tastes real good. Look at your little wife. That's the will of God. Hallelujah. I don't know if she feels the same. got to feed on the will of God. Amen. You got to begin partaking of the will of God. And then number two, we see it from Jesus in John 4. You got to start partaking of his work. He said, I've come to, hey, my feet, my my food, my meat, what I'm feeding on is, is the will of God and finishing the work that he has for me to do. You see, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, we are created as his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Go back to Matthew 5. When you let your little light shine, what does it say? The world will look at you and see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Listen, we've got to be consumed by the work of the Lord, consumed by the will of God. And the only way to do that is to begin to consume it ourselves. I'm feeding on the will of God. I'm feeding on the work of the Lord. I'm finding my nourishment. Listen, most Hey, let me just say, people who are not involved in the will of God and the work of God and who call themselves Christians are mamby-pamby, jelly-spine ch- uh, Christian uh, kids who just want somebody to cram it down their throat all the time and say, come on, you got to eat this, bless God. It's good for you. I've been at missions conference all week. Come on now. 
That is, if you're going to be contagious. If you're going to be able to go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come. If you're going to go bring them in. Listen, you've got, you got to be consumed by this thing. This thing's got to be the motivation of your life. And we've got to begin partaking of his will and consuming all the right stuff. And then one final one and then we'll be done. We've got to begin partaking of his word. Jesus said in John 6, 48, you know what he called himself? I am the what? The bread of life. Illustration. You've got to start partaking. How many of you know he is the word? Listen. Most of us do not consume the word of God. We do not partake of the word. You know what Jeremiah said? Jeremiah said, your words became flesh and I ate them. They're food to my soul. Then he came to a place a few chapters later, I think it's in Jeremiah 20, when, all the, when he was receiving great opposition, he said, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to speak anymore in the name of the Lord. I, I, every time I do, he's called the weeping prophet. Uh, and I, I do every time I do, every time I speak what God spoke to me, it gives me in trouble. I'm not going to say it anymore. I'm going to quit speaking what he told me. I'm going to stop it. And he said, when I tried that, it was like a fire shut up in my bones. I couldn't contain it. What happened? He was consumed by the Word of God. Today, as we come to this moment, you and I have an opportunity. Here's our opportunity right now to say yes. to these three simple thoughts. Yes, I'm going to be consumed by Him and His will, His work, and His Word in my life. And the way I'm going to do that is begin to consume His will, His Word, and His work in my life. I say yes to the fact that He loves me and His love ought to rise up in me and be released through me to a world that is without Christ. And because Jesus loved me so much and He died on the cross for me and He paid a big price for me, I'm going to love those that I work with. I'm going to love those that are my friends and family enough to not only just invite them, but bring them to the table. Everybody say Mephibosheth. I don't know if that's how you say it. Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son. David's good friend. Jonathan was Saul's son. You get the picture. Mephibosheth's nanny. When he was a baby, dropped him. And he became crippled in both legs. A cripple. And David, in his latter years, he said, I want to bless the house of Jonathan. How can I bless the house of Jonathan? Is there anyone left in his house that I can bring into my house? And because Jonathan was, they were brothers and, and they loved one another and he loved Jonathan. He said, How can I bless Jonathan? They said, Well, Mephibosheth, the cripple boy. He's still around. He said, you bring him. And you set him at my table and he'll never not lack 
You put him at my table. He's like my son now. And all the days of his life, he sat from then on at David's table. Somebody had to bring him because he was crippled. How did that happen? The love of between two men, their love for God and love for one another. I want to bless his family. We've got to love people enough to get them to the table. They're crippled. They're lame. They're blind. They cuss. They drink, chew, and go with the girls that do. But they need Jesus. So this morning as we come to this place of opportunity, I pray once again that our hearts would be connected to the contagious nature of the gospel. That we would embrace who we are as salt and light. Now, let me just say, you don't have to be perfect. How many of you say thank the Lord for that? How many of you know the woman at the well was not perfect? She had just been redeemed. And the little woman at the well left her water pot and dashed back to town and said, come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. She embraced who he was. He said, I who talked to you am he. And the first thing she did once she met the master She went to Bible school, no. She joined the church down the street, no, there were none. She went home and kicked out that old man she'd been shacking up with, no. That wasn't probably second or third. She went and told other people about the one who she had met who changed her life. Let's stand together today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to give us an opportunity. Because there may be someone in this room today who's never really committed your life to Christ. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. If you're here today and you've never really accepted Jesus as the Lord and the leader of your life, you've never sat at His table, you've never experienced the life that He gives and the forgiveness of sin that He provides, If that's you today, right where you are, be be brave enough to at least allow me to lead you to the table today. If that's you today, you made it in this door, don't miss this chance. If you made it this far, don't turn back now. If you're here today and you've never really made a commitment to Christ, and today you can say, Pastor Sam, this is for me. I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. I want to experience the, I want to, I need the monkey off my back and I need him in my life. He is the answer for me today. If that's you today, lift your hand wherever you are. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? He, he, I need him in my life. Lift your hand. I've got three folks here that are ready to pray a prayer and make fresh commitment to God. I've got four folks here. Let's allow him to have his way in our life. In just a moment, we're going to sing a simple song. And when we do, if you lifted your hand, I'm going to invite you to come join me right here in the altar. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer with you. And together, we're going to ask Jesus to come and be the Lord and leader of my life. I saw one, two, three, four, five hands this morning. And I want you to come quickly with me here in the altar right now. Come on. 
If you lifted your hand, God bless you. Come on, dear. Come on, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, hey, you know what? The Bible says all heaven rejoices when people give their lives to Christ. Give me five right here. Give me five, guys. Give me five. Give me five. Give me five. God bless you, sir. Give me five. Listen, you know what? This today, right now, uh, let me say, anybody else? Anybody else? Listen, there's four here, made it. Don't be, hey, you came this far. Don't back out now. Let me do one more thing. If you're here today and you know you've given your life to Christ, but you know you've been living on your terms, you've been consuming all the wrong things, and as a result, Jesus has not been able to be the Lord and leader of your life. With every head up and every eye open, if that's you, lift your hand right now. Anyone else? Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Come on. If that's you, come on. Now I want everybody to lift their hands towards these right now. Josh, we're going to ask you to come. And Jim, come stand with these. And let's just pray over them right now. Father, we thank you for those that have responded to you. I thank you for the will of God being done in their life. And I want everyone here, everybody here is going to pray this prayer with you today. You that have come today, let's pray together. And let's ask the Lord to, uh, to have his way in our life. Everybody pray out loud with me today. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me on a cross. And paying for my sin with your shed blood. I receive that today. I thank you for it. I believe you rose again. So I could have new life. I give my life to you. From this day forward. I will serve you. I will follow you. And I thank you today. That I can now eat at your table. And fellowship with you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, let's give the Lord the glory this.